HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Enjoy food the way nature intended. Alaska Seafood, wild, natural, and sustainable. For more information, visit wildalaskaseafood.com. I'm HRN's Executive Director, Katie Mosman-Wadler, jumping in to tell you about this week's episode of Meat and Three, Heritage Radio Network's weekly food roundup. This week, we're introducing you to some amazing women taking a stand. So often, being sexually harassed feels like a loss of control, and so I wanted to have these very tangible guides to say, here's what you can do. Others are pushing for more diversity at major food industry events. I still feel really determined to do, you know, whatever I can to help shift that and in a direction that's not just more diverse, but more equitable. We also have a report on that summer business staple, the lemonade stand. The lemonade stand might be the purest form of starting a business. Low overhead, easy to get into, and requires little experience or special equipment. Don't miss Meat and Three, your weekly 15-minute food news roundup from HRN. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Search M-E-A-T plus sign T-H-R-E-E. And thanks, as always, for listening. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday from roughly 12 to roughly 12.45 for Pizza, Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn. <laughs> Done. Joined as usual with Nastasia the Hammer Lopez. Hi. How you doing, Nastasia? Oh, so we got Dave in the booth. Hi. And we, because it is, we're back to take your kid to work life, we have special guest Booker Arnold. No school today. Yeah, yeah. Why no school today, Booker? My teachers of a conference. Oh, 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 I wanted to tell you, I now have a job at Nastasia's pasta shop yes, called Pasta Flyer. Oh, we've been talking about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you should call all of your. So, by the way, Nastasia Lopez attempting to uh, overtake McDonald's as America's best first job. You don't like McDonald's? I like them fine. Nastasia has nothing negative to say about any quick service restaurant. The McDonald's website says our commitment to quality, but my mom says, yeah, right. They're just trying to sell you their food. Well, they just sold your mom out. (laughs) (laughs) 
So if Great, you have now any... we're never going to get that McDonald's sponsorship. <laughs> oh, yeah, because yeah, uh, Heritage Foods was really pushing for that. Uh... My, my brother also says there's pink slime in the nuggets. Oh, uh, your dad probably has stuff to say about that. Uh, specifically, McDonald's has, like, McDonald's has hired and made fake, uh, what do you, Dave, what do you call fake, uh, like those fake advertorial, like fake news things? What do you call those things where the company pays for it? Do you, you, you guys do those, what? right? You know what I'm saying? Where like a company will come in and be like, hey, make it look like you're a news correspondent, but really we're just going to push our crap. What's that called? When do people do that? I have no idea. Is there a word for that? Yeah, there is. Anyway, so like McDonald's has one of those where like a theoretical neutral person is interviewing someone at the, on the McNuggets line at Tyson. So Booker does nothing but watch. Oh, like as if they're doing a... Yeah, as if it's a news story. Tyson is cruel to their livestock. Okay, Booker, so like Booker is as you know just so you guys know like as most i think probably 16 year olds is extremely susceptible to internet hoo-ha now i'm not pro tyson what, what does that word mean hoo-ha no susceptible or whatever family uh, show yeah it's Can't susceptible. Talk about hoo-ha's. It, uh, <laughs> it means uh it means that you are likely to believe things that you hear on the internet Tyson punches and throws their chickens okay that's not the case why would they do How that do you punch a chicken why like, would you punch a chicken? Why? They also suffocated one by standing on its head. Okay, like, listen, this is not... I don't believe so this to be Booker's accurate. It's a conspiracy theorist, huh? Yeah. 200 tricky words. But, I, I mean, like... Booker, I, you don't believe the earth is flat, do you? Um, no, it's round. Uh, thank you. Yeah, because yeah, the internet tells him so. But the, uh... Well, half of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, my point is, is that, uh, like, I am not, you know, I have a lot to say. The earth is not flat. Yeah, Correct. I have a lot to say. Hey, hey, hey. Yes? I used to think we lived inside the planet. Well. Well. I mean, if you count the we, atmosphere. We may someday. Excluding the atmosphere. <laughs> someday sooner than yeah. then later. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, my point, I have a lot to say negative about, um, you know, completely integrated uh, chicken farming, but it's a more complicated subject, and I do not believe that, first of all, you know, Booker Tyson doesn't actually raise the chickens. Did you know that? Tyson's All right, Tyson has farmers All right, who make on, very like almost nothing per bird then and they raise them. Tyson Ty- owns the bird but they don't raise the bird. Tyson's supply. Yeah, okay. Anyway. Hey, where'd you get that shirt? Didn't we get it together? Yeah, I like that shirt. Uh, P.S. No one can see his shirt because well, this is the internet. This is a radio-based podcast. Yeah, but so you know, radio is the most Tommy visual of all mediums. Yeah, yeah. Branded shirt, but it says Cortelu, New York. So, Cortelu. Yeah. Well, no, no. In my family, it is Cortelu. Yes. Yeah, and Cortelu does not mean the famous surveyor who made the first real maps of New York City. Nor does it mean the stop on in, the Q in, train. Yes, no, it, it doesn't mean that. It is a uh, synonym for a cluster cluster F. You know, I used it in a. I I got caught. I used it in a, in a very important meeting, and everyone was like, "What?" No, but the thing is, the word <laughs> no, does know, it really mean that? It, yeah. No, no. It, the Booker no. made this up. Like, no, I was like say, when can he I was look like, this up in an urban dictionary. Well, no, no, you can now. I mean, like the fact of the matter is, is that it sounds like it's like, oh my god, what, what a, a cordial you. you. Yeah, and everyone's like, everyone knows you mean cluster f it's a little bit nicer you know what i mean but i usually i usually when i'm using it in context in front of adults will put the f beforehand oh yeah so that you cordial you god (laughs) you know what i mean like god damn cordial you like go like but i use it but like no one has ever questioned the meaning because i got questioned what they say they were like what did you say and i said cordial you i.e. Cluster, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know what I mean. But it's like, 
that we got a caller. We got a caller. It looks like we have. Then we have two. Did uh, do we have uh, Jack and uh, and Derek or no? Uh, no. Hey. We just what? Hey, Derek. Hey, Derek. What's up? So uh, still waiting on number two. Jack told me that you wanted to talk about the Thundernut. All right. So I, I as a test this morning. Uh, said, you know, people can tweet in questions. And now I owe uh, a person f- who's been, you know, listening for, you know, a long time, whose uh, Twitter hashtag, or not hashtag, Twitter handle is uh, Blopins, right? Uh, ben. He, uh, he wants to know about the Thundernut. Now, he has asked me this. He, in fact, mailed me, uh, you know, a couple of those flower beers from uh, up, uh, you know, Upper East Coast there to spin out in the spins all to harvest the yeast. Like the whole nine, and all this guy wants is the Thundernut specs. Now, for those of you that don't know what the hell I'm talking about, yeah, I would like to know what that means. Thundernut is uh, was a pistachio-based rum beverage at uh, Booker and Dax, and it was a it, w- it was went on probably for the last R. what I. year? Yeah, R.I.P. Right, Booker. <laughs> for the last year or so of the uh, of of our run, is that about right, Derek? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Now, the issue is, is you know, Booker and Dax had a bunch of Orja specs, and Booker and Dax had a bunch of other specs, but the bartenders didn't make the actual pistachio rum. It wasn't an Orja. It was a pistachio rum plus um, Jack. Jack was, what, what was the what was the bar Jack's spec Jack's on for? there now. Oh, hey, Jack. Hey. So, yeah, so Derek, now at PDT, was... Uh, bartender and also at one point bar back at Booker and Dax and Jack was the uh, head bartender at at Booker and Dax. We have the two best people to discuss what was actually in the Thundernut. Now, when I received the specs this morning on how the stuff was made, I was um, upset because it was a crazy freaking spec. I mean, it's freaking bananas, like nutty... I can't believe we made that spec spec if it's to be believed. Now, here's the other thing. Derek has tried to recreate this for the spins all because I'm assuming that no one out there who's making it has the what we used in practice at BDX, which was a three-liter benchtop Juan refrigerated centrifuge. So this is everything kind of in, in thing there. So, Jack, first give the drink spec once you have the pistachio rum. Okay. So the the single drink spec was one and a half ounces of pistachio rum, a half ounce of Amaro Montenegro, uh, three quarters of an ounce of pineapple syrup. I tell them how to make the pineapple. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, finish, finish, yeah, finish. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, scant three quarters acid adjusted orange juice. Okay. And five drops of salt. So what you have there is a basic Booker Index sour spec. It's a little off because the Montenegro has sugar in it, but you got yourself roughly, you got yourself a two, three quarter, three quarter, right? Theoretically, if everything was booze and everything was working normally, you got yourself a two, three, what? You got yourself a two, three quarter, three quarter right there, right? So, so far, hunky dory. Now, Acid-adjusted OJ, very simple. Every liter of orange juice gets uh, 32 grams of citric acid and 20 grams of malic acid, stirred till dissolved, and boom. That's that's what makes Warhead candies sour. Malic acid? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we can talk about Warheads in a minute. Anyway, let's finish this one first, though. So that's your acid OJ. Jack, what's our pineapple syrup uh, spec? We were low-tech when making the pineapple syrup at Booker, it was just equal parts by weight, sugar, and freshly juiced pineapple juice. 
That is a garbage spec. That's too sweet. That's garbage spec. We're garbage people. We should be shot. Yes, I know. We we added a small amount of uh, citric acid. Citric acid. I think generally, like, I want to say it was like 10 to 15 milliliters of uh, citric acid solution per pineapple. But we didn't adjust for the sugar that was in the pineapple juice? No, we used, this was a mark What? Uh, it was a McGuigan no. Listen, in the future, I don't care yeah. who is working with I know, us. I, know about I want the stuff to be bricks right. Not freaking taking something that has like 12 bricks already, like 11 or 12 bricks, and then adding yeah. another 50 bricks to it. Well, this is becoming an episode of Bar Rescue. No, this is, the this is why everything in life is sucks. This is, this is why everyone everywhere is garbage, because no one can keep their numbers and their stuff straight so that stuff swaps out. Nastasia, back me up on this. Booker, please stop touching the mic. Nastasia, Nastasia backs me up 100% here too. It's like, if you're going to work in a big team and your team has rules so that stuff can get swapped in from place to place, follow the rules! Yes? It's almost as if the rules changing when management continue to change in the space. No, but the rule's a rule. It's like, look, human beings, we keep having new generations of human beings, and we keep on requiring oxygen. You know what I mean? It's like, you follow the rules. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so I have no... I, so now the spec is even crazier to me, because now all of a sudden it's a good bit sweeter than it was, but it's also a good bit more acidic, because... First of all, the orange juice has sugar in it because the orange juice is rocking at somewhere in the range of 10, right? 10 mm-hmm. bricks or thereabouts, 11 maybe. We have pineapple, which is now clocking in roughly at 60 bricks, right? So right now we have a drink that's on the sweeter side, right? The acid level is also a little higher than normal. And maybe this all washes out because it's going to have a lot more texture when it's shaken because of the freaking pistachio. Exactly. Right but now, here, people, is where it gets really ugly. Normally, at Booker and Dax, we would make orjas for uh, for nuts, but that would become the syrup. Notice from my uh, loss of uh, of mental stability a minute ago that we already have plenty, more than enough sugar in this. So, how are we going to get the nuts into the beverage? And the answer is, we're going to put the nuts into the booze, which, by the way, is why we had to charge so much and didn't make so much of this stuff because it was super expensive. Even though Florida Cogna, which is what we use, is an inexpensive rum. If you buy Florida Cogna... So slightly more expensive. What? Oh, we use the seven? seven Uh, So a little bit more, but still. But still, like for an aged rum, it's on the... So yeah, we use the seven. So for an aged rum, it's on the cheaper side, right? Because here's what we're about to do. Now, Derek, how do you do this stuff? Uh, so it was actually a three-day process, which, again, I don't know if all this is necessary, but it's just the way it was done at the beginning, so it's the way we continue to do it. So the first step, first day, day one, is you take 400 grams of pistachio, 650 grams of water, so we weigh it all out, uh, let that soak overnight uh, in a refrigerator, let me just add, um, when you're using pistachios, please sort through them and remove the shriveled and or overly yellow or brown ones. They will yeah. ruin. Do not sample the pistachios. They're, they're made of <laughs> mercury. They're, they're poison. <laughs> you will die. Uh, shut up. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, so go ahead. So make, sure your, make sure your pistachios are good. Soak them in water. Uh, day two, 
take that mixture, blend it up. Um, it does get pretty thick, so um, that mixture is per one bottle of Oracania. Uh, Jack, I think we were using 750 milliliter bottles. We were using 750s, yeah. So here's where yeah. you've lost yeah. me entirely, Derek. You're taking how much water, and you didn't drain the water. 600, no, 600 grams of water is going into that rum mixture. So yes, it's it's a little, it's weird to me too, because you're adding the pistachio and the water, so the alcohol... The ABV on that whole pistachio rum is coming way, way down. It's in the so it's, it's, it's in the low low to mid twenties. Yeah, yeah. So that the thing that people didn't necessarily realize about that drink is that it's a pretty it's a low alcohol cocktail. All right, so uh, I, I, you know you're giving me heart palpitations here, Derek. But go ahead. So you soak <laughs> the nuts, and you need to soak the nuts because. You want the nuts to primarily absorb water and not booze because we can't afford to lose any more liquid, I mean, any more alcohol. Yeah. We also want to have the, the kind of strongest extraction we're going to get. So we want to soften these nuts up. So you blend the whole sucker together. Now, here's where it gets even weirder. You're blending in the tickaloid before you spin? So uh, I think it was after so it, to yeah, emulsify the, the, the tickaloid that yeah. would, would get added day three on the spin. So day two, you blend, you add the rum, uh, and then you, since the rum is added in, you don't have to refrigerate it for that next overnight. So then the third day, it's spun, uh, add the tickloid right before, uh, stir it up. Wait, you uh, add the tickloid um, after you spin? Say that again? You add the tickloid after you spin, right? Because otherwise, what the hell are you doing, right? You add the tickloid before you spin? Yeah, we, uh, the, the spec that we had, uh, it, we, we add it, before spinning. This but is freaking it, bananas. Yeah. Why? Look, maybe it works uh, better. And you say you did this in the spinzol. Uh, yeah, so I recently did it with uh, one of our Booker and Dax regulars. We tried it out because he, he'd been wanting this back, and I recently got a spinzol. I wanted to try it out. And uh, we didn't do the continuous. We just did it in batch mode. We were a little nervous about all of the – there's a lot of solids, a lot of the pistachio solids. We just did it in multiple batches, uh, cleaned out the rotor, and it seemed to, uh, to work pretty well for us. Really? What kind of yield uh, did you get? Um, I, I didn't measure the yield. Uh, he, he kind of finished off the last of the batch uh, after, after I, I left, so uh, unfortunately I don't have the, the yield. I mean, like so rough, what? rough, you know, rough. Like what kind of yield did you get? I mean, it, it, looked, it looked pretty similar, very similar to... Uh, the pucks that we had at uh, in the the spinning bucket centrifuge. All right, Everything well. that the taste, the consistency, uh, it seemed to be very similar from to what I can remember doing uh, a year or two ago. Yeah. So for those of you that don't have tickaloid powder, I forgot to call into the bar in the copy of Liquid Intelligence that is at the bar. I have handwritten in the substitute for tickaloid because tickaloid is just gum arabic and xanthan gum and i forget jack you're not at the bar right now are you no i'm not hmm. i'll okay. have to i'll have to get that back or i'll i'll on the next show if someone asks me i'll get you a substitute you know tickaloid some people have trouble getting tickaloid powder now but it's just a mixture of gum arabic and xanthan the xanthan is acting as the um uh you know, as the uh, stabilizer, right? So there's emulsifiers. Emulsifiers are like marriage counselors. They help oil and water live close to each other. And uh, wow. stabilizers are like traffic cops. They keep stuff from moving. So it's like 
it's both. The gum Arabic is the is the emulsifier, is the marriage counselor, and the xanthan is the traffic cop. So that's how you know that's how it works. But uh, you know, I have a mixture that I made of, of you need to use the really good powdered gum Arabic and try to get a fast dissolving xanthan gum. Uh, but it's it's something like three quarters. Uh, three quarters uh, of it is uh, is is uh, Arabic, and one quarter of it is Xanthan. It's something like that, and you have to use a little more of, of that mix than you would of Ticaloid. But don't no, give it a shot. But why the heck would you mix it beforehand, Derek, to make it harder to settle out? Yeah, I, I just followed the spec. I, that's probably not the best answer I should <laughs> the answer I should give. Um, but yeah, it 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 seemed to work well. It and, you know it uh, stabilized. You could definitely tell when you didn't add uh, the tickloid because it, it would separate. But, I mean, it's solved by just kind of shaking it up, um, you know, before you pour out the ounce and a half into the cocktail. Yeah, well, I, I know you need tickloid. The question is, do you add it before or after you spin? That's the key. Now, the other thing, we, yeah. Yeah, we always added it before before we spun. You're, uh, you're, yeah, okay. Uh, this, this <laughs> Shut like it a, down. This is a lot to process. Uh, yep. Speaking of process, how long did you have to spin it in the spinzol per batch? Uh, we did a normal 15-minute spin. Okay. So when you're spinning in a spinzol with liquor that long, make sure you have the, the lid, the, you know, the, the inner rotor lid on, and it's also keep the cap on the top. And also I plug up the uh, drain hole just so that you don't have uh, too much evaporation out of the unit because – Especially because you've already gotten rid of so much alcohol, you might want to keep the rest of it in there. So uh, it's a good, if you like sweet, creamy nut drinks, it's a good session drink to have because it doesn't have that much alcohol in it. And uh, I'm learning more about the old bar every day. Every day. <laughs> this, is a, this, this example is particularly egregious. This is a, Whoa. the nut rum <laughs> ingredient just sort of appeared on the bar one day, D came up with it, said, here, use this. Right. And then one spec later, we had this incredible cocktail. It was like, all right, we're going to make this the same way that you made this every time because this is delicious. So it was just it like just a... It so happened yeah. to have been made I, in, in an absolutely yeah, exactly. Way. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, hey, look. And, I mean, you can't, you can't argue with the success of the drink. I mean, people yeah. love that cocktail. <laughs> I'm not... Uh, yeah. As illustrated <laughs> by this... This guy is uh, persistent in trying to get this back for it. Yeah, look, I'm not, like, here's the thing, yeah, we're right? we're talking about it on the radio, oh, so. Oh, yeah, I'm not, yeah, right. I mean, like, I'm not, like, opposed to, I mean, I'm mentally, here's the, here's the real issue. Here's what really is kind of, like, you know, burning me up right now is that, you know, I think it's always good if you're running tests that go outside of what you normally do, right, and you get a good result, this is good, but... If it's all black boxed and just, oh, here's a weird spec, nobody investigates it. When, by that, I mean tells me to investigate it, right? Because, you know, that, yeah. yeah. So, like, then I can't discover whether or not we need to revise the way we do every freaking thing or yeah. whether or not this just is a one-off or boop-boop or boop-beep or boop-bop because I don't have the information. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's like yeah, – This, yeah, this it's is like, by far like, the weirdest out there spec. Yeah, but at the bar. But maybe sure. we could take that knowledge. I mean, look, everything we do, right? Milk yeah. syrup, milk washing, all this stuff is because we had some weird effect by doing it wrong or doing it weird, and we investigated it. But if it's just kept in a little yeah. cloistered box and you can't investigate it, 
This same thing happens, like, like for any of you that are going to run a program or going to start a program out there, like, the worst is when you, like, do development and it's, like, a multi – I love multi-person team-based efforts because I think the results are better and everyone gets buy-in. But then when yeah. stuff gets changed, you've got to remember to send information up and down the chain so that everybody knows what's going on. Otherwise, you know, like, we were in a, situ- we were in a situation where – you try to recreate a spec based on my knowledge of the chain, which is clearly deficient, then we're never going to get the result because I would never do it that way unless I knew it was done that way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Anyways, whatever. Whatever. You, you can't argue with people liking the drink, as Dave, uh, Dave yeah. in the booth says, but I mean... I, I wasn't the one who said that. Oh, who? Derek said that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, all right. All right. Well, well, anyway. Do you, you want to take a break and cool off, Dave? Yeah. Or what do you, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I'll cool down. Thanks, guys. Thanks for calling in. I'll be right back. More yeah, cooking well. issues. I'll see you at the bar. Think about what it takes to swim a coastline longer than the entire eastern seaboard and leap tall waterfalls in a single bound. What does it take to survive 200 feet deep in icy saltwater? What would you be made of? Wild Alaska seafood is made of tight muscle mass, long chain omega-3s, and incredible micronutrients. It matters where your food comes from. Experience the flavor of the fittest in every bite and enjoy food the way nature intended. Alaska seafood, wild, natural, and sustainable. Ask for Alaska on the menu, grocery store, or smart device. For more information, visit wildalaskaseafood.com. And we are back. So, uh, Booker, did you uh, absorb anything? You're, the microphone's pointed in the wrong direction, P.S. You don't have your earphones on, so, yeah, Booker's, uh, Booker's really taking this seriously. Yeah. How you doing, books? I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. What? what? I wished I could stay in bed for longer because, like, it's off school. I'm what time did you have to wake up? Um. Well, I my I I was woken up to walk the dogs. Uh huh. Mm, yeah. Well, want dogs? Got to walk them. <laughs> uh. I mean, that's just the way it works. You know what I'm saying? Uh. All right. Patrick O'Sullivan. Uh. Wrote in. And said, uh, would like your thoughts on a seltzer system with a corny keg in a fridge as a cold reservoir of still water, then plumb to a McCann or similar carbonator for on demand. And this is what he wrote. Keg would always have flesh water coming in. And flesh? Then he, yeah, and then he corrects and he goes in the next one. He's like, that is to say fresh water, flesh water would not be good. Although now I have this... That's uh, twisted. Well, flesh water... Well, now you got to think about that. Yeah. Would it be good? So flesh water is what Sweat. happens like when you're like uh, like those who rinse chicken, that like that kind of like with that scum on the top, or flesh water is when you're in a not uh, properly cleaned public pool and there's that like skim of Oof. human fat on the top of it when those hot Oof. indoor pools... You know what I'm talking about, Sasha? I don't do public Nastasia will not get in a public pool specifically because Fair she enough. does not enjoy the flesh water. Well, now I'm having second thoughts. Hey, man. Uh, you know, th- that's not soap in the hot tub. That's human oil. Ugh. Yeah, I know. Yeah, all right. Anyways. Uh, so, uh, back to the back off of the gross stuff and on to, on to the question. Uh, so, 
basically what uh, Patrick wants to do is he wants does not want to do a, a cold plate with ice, which is you know what I typically do. Would rather have a corny keg. So corny kegs are Cornelius kegs. They used to use them for uh, they use them for homebrew now. They used to use them for soda, and some people use them for uh, kegged cocktails and whatnot. But they're relatively cheap, relatively available. They hold the standard one holds five gallons. Right, everyone, five gallons. Then you need a carbonator, right? The problem here is, is that in a standard commercial carbonation system like we have at the bar. By the way, the new bar's carbonation system pretty good, right, Stas? Carb- you didn't eat. I gave you water. No. Terrible person. You are. You are. <laughs> anyway. You uh, are mean to me. You are mean to me. That's when Nastasia calls me on the phone. <laughs> it says. You are mean to me. You are mean to me. And of course, you know, because uh, someone, uh, one of our listeners made me a ringtone when Booker calls me, it says, shut up, dad. (laughs) Hey, Booker, can you give him another live shut up, dad? No. What? Come on, Booker. Lean in. Think about how you. Shut up, dad. Yeah, nice. I'm isolating (laughs) that. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I love it. You know what I mean? What'd you have to think about before you said this? Well, I. I had to think. I had to try to copy the voice. Mm. It's because he was saying annoying stuff. Mm-hmm. What was he saying? Um, I don't know, Dad. What could you have been saying? Uh, Booker, <laughs> what couldn't he have been saying? Booker is annoyed by pretty much everything I say, so that's why his ringtone like is is shut up, Dad. He Booker also like will occasionally Booker has kind of stock responses to certain things. So if you apply the brakes or turn too hard in the car, he used to have a very specific. Do do not get to this, please. All right, but he changed his specific reaction, and so it, he, you know, it's interesting. He's got, you know. What is the reaction? He doesn't want to talk about yeah. it. He doesn't want to talk about it. That's know? why I don't like cars. It's what makes a Subaru a lemon. Yeah, he doesn't like our <laughs> Subaru, but like, anyway, the other thing is, oh, Nastasi, do you like that story about Booker with the amulet? Well, we're, we're, oh, yeah, we'll get, we'll get it. Let's, let's finish I saw what we're talking photo. about. Yeah, let's, ladies, like, you're never going to see me again. This is a nice gift. Booker's like, takes it, looks at her, she goes, Buddhist, and, la- and leaves. Leaves the did subway. Did you keep it, Booker? Of course I did. Where is it? In a special place? Yes. <laughs> He's not going to tell you where it is. Doesn't want you to go steal <laughs> his endless knot. Are you Buddhist knot. now? I don't know. I don't think he looked it up. But he does, you know, Booker, when he's in the subway, has a zen look. He's got that kind of like yeah, far yeah, off yeah, yeah. zen look in his eye. Anyway. Okay, so we're back to this. So a corny keg holds about five gallons. It has a um, a gas in port, which is at the top, and then it has a liquid out port, which is at the bottom of a long tube. So you can feed stuff into the top, and you t- remove stuff from the bottom. In a commercial carbonation system, you have a carbonator. The carbonator has uh, is plumbed with filtered water straight from the supply at roughly 45 to 65 PSI. You then, it's at room temperature. You then have your CO2 tank plumbed onto it at like, a, like I do. The reason why the sparkling water is so ripping where I am is because I do it at 110 PSI and then feed it through. And so that's at room temperature. It needs to be that high because you're doing it at room temperature. It then comes out of the carbonator as carbonated water goes. And by the way, if you ever set up a commercial carbonator, and I'll tell you this, uh, Patrick, no matter how you do it, no one tells you how to properly set up a carbonator, right? Nobody tells you how to properly set up a carbonator. Even the McCann people, the people who make it, do not tell you how to properly set it up. Here, I will tell you all now, here is how you properly set up a carbonator. You fill it with cold, 
Well, turn off your gas. No gas. Fill it with carbon with a cold, regular cold filtered water. There's a, a a vent valve on the top of it. That's a flip valve, right? An overpressure and release valve. Open that. Flow it until it comes out of that. Then close it. Open up your taps. Run it until just with just with plain water, no gas. Run it until your taps run full of water. Then burp that vent valve a couple times. Now you've gotten rid of all of the air in your system because I want you to mentally repeat. Air is the enemy of carbonation. Air is the enemy of carbonation. So now you have all the air out of the system. Now, here's the important part. Unplug your carbonator and or disconnect the, uh, the float switch on it. Unplug it. I don't want any more water coming into it, right? You can leave the water on, but unplug it. Now, turn your, uh, your gas on. Turn the gas on, right? Turn it up to whatever you want. Now, open up your valve and bleed all of the water out, all of it, until it sputters, and then stop. Now, your system is 100% full of carbon dioxide, 100% full, all right? Now, uh, then you just plug it back in, and the pump will turn on and inject water into your carbonator, and that stuff will be fully carbonated. If you're carbonating at room temperature, I do, you can't really go over about 120, it's, it's not you can't, but I do it about 110, which is super ripping. Most people are going to be down closer to 100 PSI, right? Then after that, it comes up out of the carbonator and goes into a cold plate. Now, most jerks who hate quality, don't appreciate their customers or their own dignity, only pass it through one channel of a cold plate. A cold plate is just a bunch of stainless steel tubing. Oh, by the way, make sure you never have any copper after the carbonation setup. No copper at all. They have nickel-plated brass, works, stainless, works, never copper. Never. Uh, and also, I had to buy tube. I bought tube uh, for the bar. How do you say tube? Turp, turp. I bought tube from uh, a reputable supplier. I will not mention their name because I'm so freaking angry with them. And they recommended I buy vinyl tube. They recommended I buy vinyl tube that was braid reinforced. Why? Because they said it was more flexible, right? And I said to myself, you know what, Dave? Your whole life, you know, decades, you've used uh, braid reinforced polyethylene tubing, polyethylene tubing with EVA jacket right? First of all, the hose has never failed. Never failed. Never failed. Secondly, it has never, ever, ever, ever imparted an off taste to any liquid I have ever put through it, ever, right? Because polyethylene doesn't have all those nasty plasticizers that vinyl does, right? So this guy swears on a freaking stack of Bibles. I don't know why the hell I listened, but he swore on a stack of freaking Bibles that this vinyl tube, everyone's using this vinyl tube now, and that it's not going to impart any taste to the water. And so I plumbed it, and sure as shooting, the water tasted like death plastic. And we would have to run the water for like 30 seconds at a time. And you could see it foam and get nasty, right? As it was getting the plastic uh, stuff out. Did you taste that size when you came over? No. Garbage. I was so angry because I was, you know, Jack and I were on our backs underneath our stations, like trying to like fit into these cold plates, which were way the heck underneath our stuff. And I was, I was hype. I was displeased. I was displeased. And we ripped it all out, wasted another day, ripped it all out and replaced it all with the stuff that God wants you to use, which is 
polyethylene tube braid reinforced with an EVA jacket and our water tastes great now. I do use and do recommend the vinyl, the braid reinforced uh, vinyl, you know, food grade vinyl tubing for gas lines because it is more flexible and will allow you to do things like carbonate and shake better. All right, so back. So remember, most people run through one thing of a, of a, a cold plate. So you're coming from your tube, which please use uh, polyethylene with braid reinforcement and EVA jacket. Please use that type of uh, tube for your liquid. Now, uh, I'm sure, you know, he was like a lot of people when they're running beer and soda, they can't taste it. I don't care. Just use the good stuff. So uh, you're running it through, most people run it through one circuit of a cold plate, which is just a length of aluminum tube, uh, sorry, a length of stainless steel tube that is embedded typically in an aluminum block. You have ice on that. As the ice melts, it very rapidly heats the aluminum, uh, cools the aluminum block and gets your water down because the water is going through a quarter inch kind of a tube. So it has you know a lot of surface area for its volume and it chills very rapidly. Not rapidly enough. Put it through two. So you're feeding into one. You take the out of that circuit, put it into the in of another, and then out of two. And that is the way to get good seltzer. You also have to get a good seltzer uh, dispensing gun. I use only Cornelius and Becker post-mix soda valves. Post-mix soda valves, right? Not those nasty, like, Wonder Bar guns. Not beer guns. They're different. They have a different compensator. It's not the same. It's not as good. All right, now back to what you're having here. You want to put a Cornelius keg in your fridge, right? Plumb your water supply into the Cornelius keg, into the top, into the gas port. You then want to have uh, draw water out of the bottom through the product port and have it go into your carbonator. Your carbonator must also live in this fridge that you're using to chill your stuff because uh, it needs to stay cold. If it doesn't stay cold, you're not going to have a good result. Now, your pressure on this is going to have to be uh, lower, like 45 PSI, 40 to 45 PSI in that range. I have never run a carbonator where the gas pressure was below the input, the inlet pressure of uh, the city mains. So if you're flowing from uh, your city water through a filter into the corny keg in the fridge, you might have to put a regulator on it to dumb your pressure down to below the pressure of uh, your gas. I don't know. You might have to run some tests. But here's the main problem you're going to have. One, I don't know whether the carbonator is going to enjoy being in the fridge for long periods of time because of condensation. I have done it before, uh, but, you know, your results may vary. I can't guarantee because you might get moist on the inside of the thing. The other problem that you're going to have is this. Let's say you have a five-gallon Cornelius keg and it's totally full with 640 uh, ounces of water. Let's say you leave that water in there long enough to get down to four degrees uh, centigrade. Okay, every 32 ounces you draw... Uh, out of that is going to replace uh, about 32 ounces of the water in the corny keg with uh, water that's at room temperature, roughly 25 degrees Celsius. 25 degrees Celsius, a 32-ounce draw of 25 uh, degrees Celsius water into the corny keg will raise the temperature of the whole keg one degree. So if you're at four, if you're at four degrees and you draw 32 ounces, you now have a five-degree keg. Uh, if you, this is at these numbers, I mean, as the temperature varies widely, so so will these numbers. But then when you draw another 32, now you're at a six-degree keg. Okay, uh, and so you have to make sure that if you're drawing more than like a liter an hour, 
that your fridge is adequate enough to keep the temperature down or you're gonna get creep, 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 creepity, creep, creep, creep up in temperature. One way to get around this would be to, instead of plumbing it to your city, is to have a valve and to push like 20 PSI of CO2 into the top, let the whole thing cool down five gallons and then just refill the whole thing, wait for the whole thing to come back down to temperature and do it again. So if you're only drinking like a gallon a day of seltzer, like once a week, you could vent, you could, if you only have 20 PSI in the tank, you could just throw ice and water in and then have that thing rock for the rest of the time. And that's maybe the way I would do it if you start to see that uh, your water is getting too cold as it comes out, too warm as it comes out. Does that make any sense at all, Mr. Austin? I was like, I don't really care. I don't care. And also, like, if you ever want to send Dave an email and want him to read it, just write subject carbonation question. That is not even the case. in the body. That is not. That is 100% true. That is not, that is not true. Mm-hmm. Not true. Um, all right, so. Well, that uh, was fun. Wait, 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 look, do people want the real freaking answer? I think like, are we a niche freaking it, show or not? This is a real freaking answer. Everything about carbonation on a website that's called like carbonationbydavearnold.com. And like every single Oh, who's going to who's going to write it? You? Well, you could just transcribe everything. For any carbonation question that has ever been asked should be transcribed and put on that page with links to the things. Links to the diatribes? No, links to the equipment that they need to buy. But who's going to do that? I mean, who's literally, who would do that? If we had a competent uh, intern. Book, are you up for it? Up for what? Wow, he's just, you're just harshing on uh, everyone now. It's harshing mm-hmm. on everyone. All right. Uh, hey, Dave and the gang. This is from uh, PH Tenant. Okay. Uh, love the show. I'm planning on devising an extracurricular for school. I want you to get these questions from? I said tweet your questions in or call them. Oh, did and- you see the other ones? Text? Mm, uh, the ones Matthew sent? No, I didn't get a chance to look at them because I was looking at my Twitter feed. It's, it's, if there's one that's important, take a look. I right, will do it next week. Uh, I was planning on devising an extracurricular for school. I want, you know, kids, Booker, do you like extracurricular activities? Like what? I don't know. What's your favorite extracurricular He's here, activity? Isn't he? No, yeah, standing at home is his favorite one. Like, like, uh, right? like something you do outside of school. Do you like, do you, is there anything that you like to do? Taking the subway. Okay, other than that, because that's a fun thing. For him. Working. Okay. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, all right. Nastasia, Booker might be the only person in the world who thinks you're a good boss. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I got some insight into Nastasia's management strategy earlier. Why did Tyree quit Pasta Flyer? You can't talk about about individual people's issues on the air. So what was the insight into the management style, Dave? Uh, I can't really say on air. You can't talk about people's individual issues. I'm thinking about how Tyreek quit. Okay, okay this is, you shouldn't talk about that because he has his own life. and We don't want to get sued, Booker, okay? Why he quit is his own business. Uh, okay, I want to teach kids 10 to 19 years old a little more about cooking, basics and more advanced stuff, whatever is fun, engaging, and beneficial. Do you have any ideas for a syllabus? 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 Syllabus. Uh, love from Germany, Lucas. Well. Oh, that's why he likes extra. He's German. That's why what? He likes extracurricular stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, we, Americans like it because now if you apply to college these days, if you don't have extracurriculars, you can't get in at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you know, if you haven't cured cancer by the time you're 18, you can't, you know, yeah. you're, you're SOL, as we say. Uh, you know, if you come from a good family, you're okay. Mm. Wow. Well, America. 
There's a lot. No, but the thing is, like, there's so many people from, like, everywhere that, like, I mean, it's just, like, the, the numbers on, like, uh, stuff like the Ivies, it's just, it's just stupid. I don't even understand it. It's just crazy. That's what I'm saying. You got to have, like, the inside track to get into an yeah, Ivy. That, that doesn't always work. I don't, now, even know if that, yeah, I don't even know if that would work. Although, mm. I, don't, I don't know. What the heck? This is not, like, know, it's what, not what college issues. Although I did just go to my, uh, I haven't talked since I went to my reunion. Does that have any interesting food stories? I don't have time. Anyway, we're talking about extracurriculars and food. Um, Heston Blumenthal, uh, I don't know, like maybe 10, 12 years ago, did a, um, a kitchen science series for, uh, like a secondary schools in England that you can probably get a hand on, uh, get a hand on that manual, uh, where it sets up a lot of interesting, um, it sets up a lot of interesting, uh, experiments for, uh, teaching uh, teaching observation and scientific method through cooking. I happen to think that a lot of what they said is wrong in terms of like the conclusions they drew from their experiments. But uh, in general, I am a rather curmudgeonly hard to get along with individual, and so I tend I to I, I tend to disagree with almost everything that almost everybody does, including myself. So I would take a look at uh, Heston Blumenthal's Kitchen Science um, you syllabus. You should also read your old cooking issues. Yeah, but that's not a syllabus for kids. Although, thanks for the plug, Stas. But oh, by the way, yesterday, wait, wait, wait. wait. So uh, also look at what Harvard does, because even though uh, what Harvard does is aimed at college uh, kids, um, they do some interesting experiments, and they have open courseware uh, online. Are you doing that again this year? I am doing that again this year, but we're not doing the first one. We're doing the second lecture this year, Ugh. which I don't even know what that means. But. Um, yeah, and, and you know anyone on the chat room, and I'll, I can think more about what would be a good uh, a good set of things because you know I like when I do it, I do more demos for kids, and so usually with if it's going to be extracurricular, you want to do more hands on, uh, and then the question is you, you're teaching more of the science of it, which is what I've normally had to do, or are you teaching more just like the basics of cooking? If you're teaching the basics of cooking, um, you know I would also look at you know kind of what places like the FCI, now the ICC does in their kind of law techniques class, it's kind of like the basic core competency of what they're, of what you need to teach people to cook because I think they did a good job and they've been doing it for like decades and decades. But these are all, you know, kind of curricula that you can look at uh, online and get a handle on what stop. you think. What? All right. Skip, skip they're they're the cutting end. me off. Skip so uh, yesterday I, sh- uh, I was on, uh, taped me for an episode of The Burger Show, mm-hmm. Chef Alvin. So we, I had to do the science of burgers. Uh, which, you know, I may or may not disagree with. I had to make, make, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. If you want to know about the science of burgers and what we talked about on, uh, I can't really reveal too much because the episode's not available yet, but hit us back. We'll talk more cooking issues. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place and we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. 
Thanks for listening. <laughs>